Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Welcome back, Single to Sealed, the hashtag S2S. How are you today? We are so excited to be here with you guys today for this episode. Today we have a fantastic guest. Her name is Elisa Snell, and Elisa is going to be joining us to give us some amazing tips. Before we jump into what she's going to be sharing today, uh, we're going to read a short little bio. Elisa spent 17 years as a marriage and family therapist before transitioning to being a dating and relationship strategist full-time. She's written seven books for singles, is the author and creator of The Lasting Love Academy, a popular public speaker a frequent guest on TV and radio, and she has helped thousands of singles to date more, date better, and create secure marriages. Elisa is married with two children. Elisa, tell us about your your husband and your kids. Well, my husband's a a sweet retired. So he retired as firefighters. You retire after 20 years, a lot of them. So he he is a retired firefighter and I've got a 22 year old son. And then we were blessed through adoption with our daughter who is nine. So there's quite a gap there and yeah, just life is good. We, we've got just a, we're doing real life, real people and real love at our family. And, And that's really the focus of what I like to focus on, there's so much that social media perpetuates that really creates for singles this painful perception that relationships are hard and scary, but then there's the ideal and perfect relationships. And that's what we should be holding on to. And that's what our, our social media and, um, you know, just our social media and media in general, or movies and TV shows tend to perpetuate as this idea of the idealized relationship. So a big part of what I teach is real life, real people, real love. And so fortunately, we're doing a lot of that at our house. (laughs) It's a lot of real life, real people, real love, but it's good. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, healthy relationships are just really fun. And there's just a a large amount of positives compared to the negatives. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've just got a, a cute, fun family and I'm really grateful for all that goes with that, you know, the good and yeah. um, lots and lots of the good and also the challenges because the challenges are really where we find meaning and purpose and connection instead of through perfection. It's that um, connection that really binds us together. So anyway, that's my that's my spill with uh, trying to avoid the falsehood of the perfect family, because it just is the, it's a pitfall. I don't like singles to get caught up in because it just perpetuates Mm -hmm. fear instead of faith and confidence. So thank you for asking about my family. That's very true. Of course. (laughs) We'll ask more about your family. (laughs) (laughs) How did you meet your husband? So we, we actually met story. on a dating site. Yeah. So we met on a, on LDS singles back in the day. And um, so it was, we, we were fortunate in that we had kind of had a vague recollection of each other from our college years. So we had actually gone to the same high school, but we didn't meet in high school. And he actually graduated the year I was coming in. 
So, and then we went to the same college and we had some of the same friends, but we never really met during that time. And then a cousin of mine tried to set me up on a blind date with him three years before we met. So online. So <laughs> that's, it's kind of a fun story. Um, small and world. yeah. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine really had to twist my arm to do online. Like that was back when online was fairly new. And mm -hmm. um, so fun, fun story. He's, he's a great so, guy. And we've, we've had a great time. I have a question. So um, after your friend found out that you guys went on a date and were together, was he or she kind of like, I, I tried to set you up, you up three years ago. Why didn't you let me set you up? It was so funny because actually I was headed to my grandma's. So this was my cousin. I was headed to my grandma's and I was like, and I was dating him at the time. And I was like, oh, wait a second. My cousin was trying to set me up with a firefighter. Was his name Eric? <laughs> you know? So when I got there, my cousin was actually there. And so I was like, who was that guy that you were thinking of setting me up with, you know, a few years ago? And she said, oh, yeah, Eric. But he's just a player. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, it's a good thing I didn't set you up with him. And I mean, you know, player is relative in the LDS standards. Like he was, yeah. he was a good guy, but he dated a lot and he yeah. had a lot of commitment issues. He was notorious for that. He was like the shallow hell of his friends. And he was the last one out of his friends to get married. It's interesting because later in my career, when I really started focusing on singles issues, a big part of what I focused on was this population of singles who are just really great, amazing men and women who are dating great and amazing men and women, but they can't commit. And that's really become my um, my specialty in a lot of ways is the amazing and still single. Why, you know, why are these, these people amazing and still single? Why can't they commit and helping them to get married? And so it's been really fun to see how many hundreds of people I've actually helped get past that. So I guess the first person I helped was my husband <laughs> to get past it, but, <laughs> but he had also prepared himself to be in a different place. And, um, you know, he really had to get in a place where he was ready to be more realistic and invest more and stay and he did the typical thing where he was like three months into the relationship and he's like, oh, this is the time when I get bored and I usually run. And he was like, nope, I'm not going to do it this time. And he powered through it. So, you know, there's a lot of that struggle in the singles community. I would say there's two types of singles that I see in the work that I do. One is those who are not dating the people they want to date and aren't getting the dates that they want and aren't getting the repeat dates that they want. And then there are those who are really struggling to commit. And it, there really tends to be both types. And um, it's part of the frustration that singles have with each other because they want to be in a relationship and then there are those who are just not committing. And there's some specific reasons why, and that's what I focus on on both ends, right? Like there's, there's mm -hmm. a ton of issues that are driving us to disconnect. And so, yeah, that, that was my husband wow. and his story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. There's so many pieces of information there that I wish we could have like hours to delve into all of it because I feel like all of it just sounds amazing. Um, it's today a fun we career. To I love what I do. Like it's the best job. It's really my, it's a dream that I get to do what I do. It's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it would be a lot of fun and also really rewarding too, to see these people that haven't been able to create that connection, find it finally and be able to have that in their lives. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun. I keep a folder of wedding invitations. And when people think of it, sometimes they'll send me birth, uh, birth announcements and things like that. So I keep this folder oh. of wedding invitations and birth announcements from my clients because it's like, it's like the total reward, right? You know, oh, yeah. I just love that part of just seeing those successes. And um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's really just been a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I had a really powerful experience that almost feels sim. I guess it does feel similar to that. It's like when I was in the mission, I remember just around my my year mark, uh, somebody got baptized, and then like two days before I went home, they were mm-hmm. getting sealed. They were getting sealed in the temple, and yeah. so I was able to go to the ceiling, and it was like mm-hmm. this moment that transcended like almost all the baptisms that I had done, because oh, like it yeah. was like the complete package, right? Like it was it was from there. It was single to sealed. Kind of kind of feeling like it's marriage to sealed because they're already married, but they work towards that goal. And, you know, like you said, you it's nice to help people and see them down the line and then still remember and, and think back to part of the roots of how they got there was something you had done. So that yeah. feels, feels pretty good. Yeah, it's it's just really it's just really awesome. But, you know, that's the the reality is we're all on a lasting love journey and getting married is not the end of that lasting love journey. It's it. But what I like to focus on is in preparing people so that they've got the skills they need already at the beginning of their lasting love journey so that they can continue to replicate those skills over and over and over again. And so what I focus on is helping people to create and identify what works for them, what works for them, what works for their conflict, what works for their partner, and um, really create and establish that pattern. But I would imagine that a lot of the singles who are listening to this are struggling to even get that far. And that's very discouraging for them. There's a lot of books and materials out there for relationships, and not as many really concise, solid books on what to do when it comes to dating. And that's part of the reason why I created my lastingloveacademy.com and my books and audios and videos is because the actual breaking it down into the how-to and what do you do and how do you do it and taking these general or global concepts and putting them into real time. Because I really focus when I'm able to do it, you know, with COVID and stuff, we're, we're doing a lot of things where I can't demonstrate. But one of the things that I really loved doing when I would speak at Singles Words is I would have a volunteer from the audience come up and I would demonstrate with them, how do you take someone's hand and do a double-handed handshake? How do you lean back on a backward foot so that you look more cool and casual and confident? How do you, as a woman, lean forward or touch or smile in a way that encourages a guy? What do you say? How do you say it? How do you handle rejection? Well, there's a lot of these little pieces that get in the way and make a big difference in connection. We've become a world of disconnection. And um, it's one of the, the greatest struggles of our society is that we are so apt at disconnecting, but we're not so good at connecting. And so taking these little tiny subtle behavioral cues and words and, you know, body language and translating that into things that singles can really do and apply. And it makes sense. And it helps them to understand um, from my, my premise is it's not you, it's your technique. That's my premise. And so to see that it's not them, it's their technique. They get to change their approach and they can get different results and people perceive them differently, but it's not because they've changed. They're still the same person they were before, but because their ability to connect in a meaningful way and to make another person feel great. And most importantly, to take the pressure off and to have fun. Um, 
those things really make a difference both in main t- creating a connection, motivating the other person to either ask for a number or to feel comfortable enough that they would give a number, um, motivating them to exchange telephone numbers, motivating them so that they are having fun and staying focused on having fun and then get those second, third and fourth dates. So there's just a lot of things I'm able to break it down in really tangible ways. But the most common thing when I'm asked to speak at the singles ward, the most common two topics I'm asked to speak on is um, how do you get and keep the attention of the person that you're interested in? And how do you get commitment? So speaking to the same things we've already discussed, but those are really the biggest challenges for singles is getting the dates and getting the commitment. I really love that. And I I think it's interesting that you have to teach people how to connect. It makes me think of Brene Brown and how she's always talking about vulnerability because vulnerability Mm -hmm. is key in order to have that connection. And I feel like it's not something that comes naturally, <laughs> that, right. that honesty and vulnerability, and then also, you know, portraying that vulnerability well. And so it's, you know, appealing and draws people in. I think that's definitely something that you have to learn and practice to be able to do well. I, right. I, I love that. And I think that our a lot of our listeners, based on messages we've received from them, do struggle a lot with getting that commitment and getting those second and third dates after they've gone on those initial dates and and met someone. So for those listeners that are struggling with this, I know this is one of your 10 reasons you're not dating the people you want. Uh, It's number, number seven, which is you can't keep someone's interest beyond the first few dates for someone Mm -hmm. in that position. What would be your advice to them? So let's build up a little bit before we get to that part, because some people are going to feel like, well, I'm not even getting the date. Um, So let me, let me highlight a few of the essentials to just even get a date with our COVID world, which, you know, fortunately is starting to open up, at least here in Utah, we're starting to see, you know, we're going to be going away from masks here soon. And, and we've done a really good job of, um, you know, being able to get those vaccinations. So there's a lot of hope that we're going to go back to a little bit more normal. Um, But there's a couple of key things that people often miss in the process of, connecting. And one is, are you maintaining eye contact? Um, So first you need to show the person that you're interested by actually engaging. And there's a lot of singles who don't act as if they're interested or vulnerable. You know, Brene Brown talking about vulnerability. Well, how do I actually show vulnerability in just the first few experiences? Because if you share about your fears, your anxieties, your um, challenges and struggles, when you don't really know someone very well, it looks negative or it can open you up to predatory or really emotionally immature people who um, will exploit that vulnerability. So the different kinds of vulnerability that we do at this point is eye contact and it's touch and it's warmth and it's giving a compliment and it's recognizing their body language and mirroring if the person is leaning forward and then you lean forward a little bit and they stay in the leaned forward position, they're showing they're comfortable with you. So if you lean forward and then they lean back, you need to lean back as well and show that you're paying attention to that body language and engaging. Um, There's little tiny things that show you're willing to take a risk. And most importantly, you're willing to make others feel great while also looking confident and looking great as well. A lot of singles are afraid of being vulnerable. They're afraid of looking needy or acting like they're too into someone or making someone else feel uncomfortable or they're looking foolish. They're really afraid of that. And 
if we look at it from a guy's perspective, so women often say, well, I don't like to flirt. I don't like, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want it to be obvious. If we look at it from a guy's perspective, we want a guy to walk across the room. We want him to start a conversation, which means he's got to come up with what he's going to talk about. So we want him to walk across the room, which is vulnerable for him. We want him to think about and figure out how to start a conversation and to do it in a way that makes us feel comfortable and to figure out if he's going to be asking something or saying something that makes us uncomfortable. We want him to read our body language, keep a conversation going, figure out how interested we are, ask for the number, brave the possibility of rejection and either handle rejection well or get the number. And if he gets the number, then we want him to maybe call us because maybe we'll be critical of him if he just texts us instead of calling us. But then if he calls us, we may just let it go to voicemail and not even return his phone call. And we might judge him if he leaves a voice message. But if he doesn't leave a voice message, we might take that as a bad sign. And then we don't know if we should call him back. So we typically, unless he leaves a message, we don't call him back. And then if he does finally get us on a phone call, or if we finally do respond to his text, and he's figured out whether or not we are interested enough or we're comfortable enough. And based off of what we are saying or not saying in the text, you can see where this is going. Like it's exhausting, but this is what we want a guy to do. Then we want him to figure out whether or not we're interested. We want him to ask for a date. We want him to decide whether or not he's supposed to call and set up the date, whether or not we even are willing to get on the phone with him. We want him to plan the date. We want him to follow up on the date. We want him to pick us up for the date. We want him to plan the date. We want to pay for the date. We want him to read our body language, keep us comfortable throughout the conversation, make sure he's keeping conversation going. Then we want him to decide off of our body language if he, we want any physical touch. We want him to decide whether or not he's supposed to open the door or not. Ask us, you know, let us know if he wants to ask us out again. There's a lot of vulnerability implied in every single one of those actions. And girls oftentimes take for granted how hard it is for a guy. And so when you're thinking from your perspective, Jerry, about that long list of things that women take for granted, what did that feel like as I was sharing a guy's perspective on this? (laughs) Yeah, that's something that I definitely have been through. And so, you know, I, I definitely as a guy often feel like we have so much more to do in the process of trying to create these relationships, or at least that's the expectation that's that's given to us. Right. And, you know, it's just expected. And a lot of guys take on that responsibility and they want to figure it out and they want to do it the right way. But at the same time, if we take for granted how vulnerable that really makes a guy, it makes it a lot easier for us to feel like we don't want to take a risk because we feel like the guy should be doing it. It's his responsibility. It's it's his duty. It's what he's supposed to be doing. It's his priesthood responsibility. You know, we expect a lot of things, but if we turn it the other way and we're like, look at all the ways he's sacrificing and being vulnerable and all the risk he's, he's taking and all the risk of rejection. And we look at it from that perspective. What's, what is a touch? What is warmth in, in light of all of what he's sacrificing and what would it mean to a guy if when he comes up and he starts a conversation, we smile brightly, or we even touch him lightly on the the upper arm closer to the elbow. So when we're looking at touching somebody, it's from the halfway point of the upper arm to the elbow, anywhere in that range, totally socially appropriate touch. Guys can kind of pat each other on the arm in that same area. Women can touch them. And I can't do the the physical demonstration with you guys, but you take and you just put your hand gently there and kind of give it a little bit of a squeeze. And you're just like, hey, it's so nice to meet you. A warm smile, a little touch, how warm and encouraging that is. 
girls who do that kind of stuff, who take his hand when they, he it shakes his hand and they just turn his hand a little bit and put their other hand on top, do the double handed handshake with a little bit of a slide to it. Um, girls who do that, guys are going to ask out. Girls who are warm and encouraging and give a compliment like, oh, thank you for asking me that. That's so sweet of you to, you know, be interested in or remember, you know, about my test and, you know, just being warm and engaging and complimentary. Girls who do that are going to get first dates. They're going to get numbers. They're going to be looking like a gal instead of a pal. And so often we are so afraid of being vulnerable that we come off on the radar as if we're just a friend because we don't want to risk. We don't want to be vulnerable. But once a guy sees us as just a friend, he's far less likely to see us in a romantic way. And it's one of the biggest ways women hurt themselves with the guys that they really like is that they're not willing to take a risk. And when we say things like, oh, it would be nice to do that. That would be fun to do that. Well, does that mean we're doing this as a friend or does that mean it's a date? Based off of the way the girl responds, the guy can't read it. But if a girl says to him, oh, that's exciting. I'm totally excited to do that. Or that's fabulous. Or, you know, I would love to do that with you. That is so sweet of you. That's amazing. Using stronger feminine words. It seems like an oxymoron, but using stronger feminine words is one way to make a guy feel more excited and enthusiastic. It's flattering. And what we want in exchange is we want to be pursued. We feel more secure when a guy's pursuing us, but we have a lot more flexibility and influence than we often realize. So that was kind of a long description of, um, you know, kind of what are these subtle little things that we can do in the early exchanges that help women to feel empowered in getting more dates. There's still going to be women who are listening to this podcast who are saying, yeah, but how do I do that with online? How do I do that with social media? How, how do I do that when I'm at a class? And so we can cover some of that as well. But you guys probably have some comments or thoughts from what I've shared so far. What are your comments or thoughts? Oh, well, I, I love all of that first off. And <laughs> it's actually funny you asked Jerry to comment on that because how we got together was I asked him for his number and I asked him out. <laughs> Which is, yeah. which is interesting, which I actually, I actually encourage lots of girls to do that because it does take a lot of the pressure off the guys and they immediately know you're interested, which helps, you know, them feel more comfortable. Jerry, Jerry really liked that I asked him out because guys never get asked out. So that's, yeah. I think it's really important to how you described that initial meeting and like asking out as being so one side on the guys. And we like to say that, you know, gender, all the, both the genders are equal and everything. And that it shouldn't have to be a guy's job. But even then, we still put a lot of pressure on guys to do everything. And I don't think it has to be that way. Just like with a friendship, when you're when you're meeting someone, you want to be someone's friend. You don't expect them to do all of the reaching out, all of the setting up of the times you're going to hang out, pay for all the meals, all that stuff, because you want an equal friendship and, you know, companion to hang out with. And I feel like it should be a, a lot the same when you're dating because, you know, deep down your relationship should also be a really strong friendship. So you should be okay showing interest like you're talking about and, you know, kind of reaching across and giving your your 100% as well because obviously the other person is doing the same. And so they, they should be able to expect you to reciprocate a lot of that um, energy and excitement and, you know, participating in in that relationship. I think it's interesting that you talk about this idea of body language and preparation for some skills and, and learning how to uh, help guys feel more comfortable and so forth. And I know that there's skills for guys too, to be able to do similar things like that for girls. 
But yeah, we think about absolutely. we think about our 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 past and shows that involve uh, like dukes and lords and stuff like that. Like there's this age where these girls, you know, they they have this coming out, you know, and they have this they 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 look forward to this this time when they can all come together and meet all the other fellow like dukes and duchesses and and basically try to pair off and their parents are just like get out there and get somebody that's also rich and will help our family grow you know and mm-hmm. they, they prepare all for this moment they learn how to walk how to talk how to stand like as a means to draw that attention like their whole life and mm-hmm. i think it's it's really interesting i mean we don't have to be that extreme today but it's interesting that uh, we don't really do any of that now where mm. we're not really taught how can i how can i be more presentable or what are tips or tricks i can do to get someone's attention we don't, we don't really do anything like that. And that yeah. puts us at a disadvantage nowadays as singles because we don't really get taught that in school or in a lot of times at home. None of that etiquette mm-hmm. is really taught anywhere. And that's yeah. why you're so handy and such a great opportunity for singles to take advantage of because it's a great way to learn how to how to do that. Yeah. Well, in my program, the, the difficulty is if people don't see it. So when I created the Lasting Love Academy and my books and materials, it's one thing to read about a technique. So if I, if I tell you grab, you know, when you shake someone's hand as a woman, you shake their hand, you turn their hand a quarter turn so that their, their hand is in the upward position and your hand is in the, the, um, the downward position, which would be possibly submissive, but it's also a trusting position. So I take their hand, I turn it a quarter turn. So their hands in the upward, I'm in that trusting position. And then I put my second hand on top of their hand and I slide my hand across their hand just ever so slightly um, because I'm actually touching. It's more of an embrace. If I slide ever so slightly, if I tell someone that, or they read that it doesn't, it's not nearly as effective as seeing it. And so when I was creating the lasting love Academy materials, I did a series of workshops and um, recorded the workshops. And, you know, it was quite an investment, of course, to incorporate those videos in. How do I touch? How do I hug? How do I walk next to somebody? How do I guide them through a door so that I look confident? I make them feel safe. It's not something that makes them uncomfortable. It's actually something that makes them feel more excited and thrilled. How do I do those things? And in really practical ways, there's very little of that that's really pragmatic and also works within our value system as a conservative religious population. I'm sure that I'm sure that you would agree that a lot of these techniques can be catered to and or um, adapted to the individual. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like somebody might be listening to this like me and say, you know, is this going to create this idea that this is how all girls should treat guys as far as like is every time a girl shakes you know we're not trying to create this idea of uh, this is what everyone needs to do and then this is going to be like your foolproof you know I don't want anyone to get that get that idea well it's it's all about connection and so the the question I would pose to people is are you making a connection are you helping them to feel wanted and that you care about them and the challenge is there's a lot for a lot of people they have an aversion to touch they don't touch they don't um, and they send a body language message that lets other people know not to touch them and what it is is it's a push away behavior so I talk about 
invitations, stalemates, and pushaways. And I try to get people to see it from a text. Like, what do we do in our texting? What do we do in our body language? What do we do in our words and our touch and in the way we interact with someone? And is the way we're interacting a pushaway where it's clear that I'm trying to keep you at your in your space and at your in, at a distance from me, or I'm trying to shut down contact, or am I sending more stalemate messages? Um, stalemate messages are mixed messages where the person doesn't know if they should pursue, what's the action they should take, or they're getting two contradictory messages at the same time. And an invitation message is something that's consistent, warm, clear, and direct. And we only do invitation behaviors with people that we actually would like to have a stronger connection with. So let me give you an example of this. If you see me at in the neighborhood and we're friends and it's been a while since we've seen each other and you just, I say, Hey, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Um, it would be so great to talk with you and catch up. And you're like, Oh yeah, sure. Is that an invitation, your response, an invitation, a stalemate or a push away? I would say it's um, a push away. For me, it would okay. be a push away if someone said that to me. Mm-hmm. Because they're not inviting you and they're not enthusiastic. They're not meeting your enthusiasm. Right, right. So now let's say that they say, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. We should do that sometime. Is that an invitation, a stalemate or a push away? I would say a stalemate because if she really wanted to see you, she would say, yeah, let's plan something for this time. Exactly. And yet for a majority of singles that I talk with, and particularly women, they often don't realize how much they actually send stalemate messages. They think that they are being warm and vulnerable when actually they're being more confusing and and they're sending mixed messages or they're not really elevating it to the point of really sending a clear invitation for closeness. And this is the challenge in both getting that second date. It's the challenge in getting the first date. It's the challenge in showing the person that you really like them with a certain amount of warmth and enthusiasm, but without putting pressure on them. How do you do the same thing with social media or, you know, if you're connecting through a dating app? Well, it's a simple thing, really, because it's the same thing on a dating app as it would be in face-to-face. So if I'm talking with someone and I'm like, that's amazing, that's incredible, you know, that's so cool, that sounds like a lot of fun, or, you know, I'm, I'm showing enthusiasm and I'm using more emotion words to show the guy that I'm interested in what he's talking about. Then I can say to a guy, I can be the first one because oftentimes guys are waiting for us to let them know what we're comfortable with. I can say to a guy, hey, it's really hard to get to know someone this way. I would love to have fun in just a no pressure way and either talk on the phone or meet up for a quick bite to eat. You seem amazing. It would be wonderful to get to know you. And so with that kind of a message, Jerry, for you, how would you feel if a girl sent you that kind of message or said that kind of a thing to you at a dance, for instance? It's hard to get to know someone here, but I would love to to have just fun and get to know you in a no pressure way and get a quick bite to eat or do something fun with you. You seem really amazing. How would you feel if a girl said that to you at a dance or by a dating app? I would say, leave me alone. You're crazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> no, no. I think that she's sending a, a very clear message about her intentions. Mm-hmm. And so I, at that point, it would give me a chance to also be clear with my intentions. You know, right. so if I was, if I was just flirting and then she said something like that, I could say something that would 
Stalemate. Yeah, stalemate her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. that yeah, maybe that sometime. Happen. Yeah, maybe I'll, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll have to do that sometime. All right. That's a stalemate message. I have a question. So in that case, if we're the girl and there's this really nice guy we're talking to and he gives us that stalemate message, do we continue to pursue that? Or do we take that as a hint that he's not interested and do we back off? So here's the challenge is when I'm demonstrating this in a live presentation, I would give that message to a guy and I'd be walking away. He would not even show me he was still mating it because I would have already started walking away. I'd touch him on the arm and say, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm so sorry. I've got to go. But I would love to continue this conversation sometime. A little squeeze on the arm and I'm starting to walk away. Now, the benefit of walking away is he does not have to react. I'm not getting rejected because he's either going to take action or he's not going to take action. But what if he is interested? What's he going to do if he is interested, Jerry? Follow you. Yeah, he'll follow (laughs) me. He'll ask me another question. And what if he's stunned into silence and I'm walking away? What's he going to do at that point? Well, he also might just not do anything because he's too nervous or he's stunned into silence. So what I teach is as a woman walks away, she gets about five feet away. She turns around briefly, smiles and waves. If he is looking at her, it's because he's interested. He's stunned into silence. He's interested. And that simple smile and wave gives him the ability to reconnect. It encourages him. What if he's not looking at me? He's not interested. I have just saved myself two to three months of processing every detail of what he does or what he doesn't do, trying to figure out when he's going to be somewhere, trying to be there when he's going to be there, processing what he's thinking or what he's gone through, checking him on social media. In a matter of just a few steps, turning around, looking to see and smile and wave, he's not looking at me. He's not interested. But did I look great? Did I make him feel great? Did I look great? Did I act confident? Did anybody lose in this exchange? No. And the biggest gain, I think, is that you're not losing that time, which I feel like so Mm -hmm. many people in our generation do because social media is such a big thing. After you start liking a guy, you spend months, like you said, stalking them on the internet and you know, cryptically reading into all of their texts or comments on your posts and that kind of thing. And that's an anxious attachment. So I talk a lot, especially with those who have a difficult time with committing. I talk a lot about the anxious and avoidant attachment pattern. What we want to do is create secure dating behavior and we want to create secure relationship behavior. And I want to be individually secure. So when I'm touching a guy or I'm sending a message saying, hey, you seem you seem darling. It would be really fun to do something with you sometime. It's really hard to get to know someone this way. Um, you know, I'd love to grab a quick bite to eat or do a fun activity. Winky face. And I leave it at that. I'm not checking messages anymore. I have just either said that face-to-face or I've said it in my message or I've said it on Facebook and I'm not checking. I'm not looking. If he's interested, he's going to pursue me. If he's interested, he's going to respond. He's going to ask for my number. I actually didn't hand him my number. So at this point, if I'm doing this at the dance, I'm doing it right before I walk away. So he doesn't have to sit and come up with a fake an excuse or do the push away response because I'm just saying it before I leave. So he gets to be flattered by my warmth and my engagement, but he's not going to do anything with it. But the most important thing is 
I'm not focused on him. I believe as I'm walking away, the kind of guy I'm looking for would totally stop me and ask me for my number. The kind of guy I'm looking for would see me for what I had to offer. He'll pursue me. He is not my only chance for happiness, but he is good practice. And I don't mean that in a, in a like abuse, abusing way, but in the reality that I'm never going to date the kind of guys I want if I don't flirt with the kind of guys I want and vice versa. As a, as a man, you're never going to date the kind of girls you want to date if you don't pursue the kind of girls you want to date. But when you handle rejection well, a man never looks more attractive than when he can handle rejection well. He keeps his shoulders square. He keeps his chin up. He looks her in the eyes. And if he can even give a woman a compliment in the moment that he is rejected, he is even more attractive. Women will reconsider. So if you imagine a guy at a dance saying to a girl, hey, it's really difficult to have a good conversation here. I'd love to get to know you better. How about if I get your number and we could go do something fun sometime and we could continue this conversation then? If she said to him, oh, sorry, you know, I just don't feel that kind of connection, which is the way I recommend a woman reject a man. She doesn't say I'm not interested um, in you or I'm not attracted to you. She doesn't lie to him. She doesn't make up a boyfriend she didn't have before. She doesn't give him a phone number. She has enough faith and trust in him and his his manliness that she just says, oh, thank you for your interest. I'm just not feeling a romantic connection, but thank you so much. And you've treated me great. And she's just really kind to him. Now, at that moment, once he has been rejected, he can look her in the eyes and say, I love that you were honest. That is so attractive. I'm even more impressed. You have a great day. And he walks away with his head up, his shoulders square. He walks away. Is she going to be more interested in him? What is she going to think of him when he handles it that way? That is a stand-up dude. I mean, if if the guys I rejected back in the day would have responded like that, I would have had a way more respect for them too. Mm-hmm. If he slouched his shoulders, if he dropped his eyes, if he stammered, if he, you know, got upset or he fled the situation, what would you think of him? Oh yeah, you're 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 like um confirmed in your initial response of rejecting him when people act like that. I've had right. a lot of guys like say really rude stuff or something or roll their eyes and walk away and mm-hmm. you're just like, yep, I definitely didn't want to date you. It's all right. Now. Or you feel bad <laughs> for them. You feel pity for yeah. them. And because you feel pity for them, they don't look strong and confident. And that doesn't mm-hmm. make you feel any better about recommending them to a friend. But a guy who can be like, that is so cool. You were honest with me. I am so impressed. You have an awesome day. And he can even shake her hand or you really want to seal the deal, you shake her hand, you wink, or you give her a little pat on the arm, like, I'm even more impressed, a little wink, and you walk away. Like, that's a guy who can handle rejection well. When you can handle rejection well at work, you can handle rejection well on dates, you can handle rejection Mm -hmm. well in marriage. It's so comforting. It makes a guy seem like he can handle whatever's coming at him. And what a woman really wants to feel is safe and secure. And a guy who I feel like can handle me and handle, you know, life and handle risk is a guy who I can relax and be myself with. I can be fun. I can be feminine. I can be flirty. And so it's, it's just a really attractive thing. And as in marriage, when I remember when my husband and I being married, um, you know, a guy could be rejective, right. In intimate moments or whatever. And one night I, I legitimately had a headache and I was just like, Oh no, I'm just, 
not feeling well. And he was so cute. He gave me this cute little kiss. And he says, that's all right, baby. I'll catch you later. And he, he just kind of gave me a little pat on the butt as I walked away. And I was like, oh, well, maybe, <laughs> you know, like it was just so cute. Because when a girl can say no without consequences, there's no mm-hmm. punishment, there's no sulking, there's no, um, you know, mind reading, there's no punishment. When a girl can say no freely, it makes her that much more likely to want to say yes. So handling rejection well and handling with confidence, and most importantly, guys, realizing what she thinks of you does not change or define your value. She is not rejecting you. She's rejecting your techniques. She's experiencing things in her life you have no idea about. She doesn't know enough about you to ever possibly reject you. What she's rejecting is the situation. She's rejecting your body language. She's rejecting her own situation in her life. It's not about you. And so when you can show a girl that what she thinks of you did not change the way you feel about yourself, because when you roll your shoulders and you drop your chin and you drop your eyes and you slouch, when you do that, it says, oh, you know, now I don't feel as good about myself as I did before. But when you keep your shoulders square and you keep your chin up and you smile at her, it says everything about how, who you know you are and, and that you know what you're worth. And we want as girls, we want you to know what you're worth. And we want you to come in with that same level of confidence that jerks mimic. Jerks mimic um, that that confidence. And so what, what makes a woman really attracted to a guy is strength and confidence. Well, jerks mimic that with arrogance and selfishness. We want you to save us from our attraction to jerks by bringing in what really makes us attracted, and that is strength and confidence. And so as I help guys to understand what strength and confidence looks like, the neat thing about that is when you change your body language, you actually start to change your chemistry. You change your thoughts. You change changing body language, changing those muscles, changes so many more things, even in our thinking. And there's videos on this on YouTube on power postures and what research has shown on power postures. But as you learn these body languages, these body language techniques, and you incorporate the thoughts and the the alternate beliefs that you're choosing and your self-talk as you change those things and you do it in conjunction with body language, people notice it and they're going to notice it at work. There was a client um, I met with years ago who he came in for our first appointment and he sat with his legs close together, his arms and elbows close to his side. He slouched, he put his hands in his, po- in his lap, his shoulders rolled forward, and he just looked small and boxy and square and timid. And I simply had him spread out a little bit more, put one arm on the back of the chair, spread his legs out a little bit more, straighten his back and um, bring his chin up. And I said, I want you to start practicing that at meetings. And he was always the silent, quiet type anyway. But it was interesting because he said when he started going to the meetings, a couple of things changed first his back hurt because just changing his posture, it took a while for his muscles to get used to that new posture and position. And as he started assuming a more spread out posture and position, even though he was still the quiet type, when he spoke up, people paused and listened to him. Whoever else was talking, they paused and they waited and they listened to him simply because his body language said, I'm relevant, I'm important, I like myself. And where before his body language said, I'm, I'm scared, I'm timid, I don't know if I'm important, I want to hide. 
So anyway, I've, I've kind of gone a long rant, but the point is there's so many different ways that if we do these things, we're going to be more likely to get the first date. And so how do we translate that into the second date? But before I jump into that, you guys probably have some other thoughts you wanted to comment on and share. Yeah, I'm really starting to get this idea that I know if this was me and a lot of the things that you're suggesting are a lot of skills and techniques that will take practice and an, an increase in confidence. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people may not be able to do that. It sounds really good, like when we just say it, but right right in the beginning when someone's like, okay, I'm just going to do this, I'm going to do this, things might be awkward. <laughs> it might be awkward because you're practicing new skills that you that you haven't done before. And so I think that takes a level of confidence and not not just that, it's that in a certain degree, like you said, changing your posture and uh, some of these techniques can... In, Practicing in, eye contact. Yeah, in, in turn, I think makes you a better person, a better individual, and it really starts to change your nature to the way that you are as a person, which I think is actually an, an interesting concept in itself. I think that uh, there's a, a talk by Elder Callister where he's talking about, about missionaries and the difference between changing behavior versus nature. And anybody who is following this advice and is just following those mannerisms as a behavior isn't, isn't succeeding, I think, in these concepts. Because because if I'm just acting and I'm just trying to do these things, but then as soon as they leave and turn around, I frown and I slouch again, I'm not I'm not really doing these tips that you're asking. Like this is something that has to become me. This is something I have to have to change about myself so that my nature can change and become almost you know a different individual in the way that I'm approaching people. Well, just like she said with the gentleman she helped, she didn't just have him practice that when he was dating, but when he went to his business meetings, because mm-hmm. it's something that you have to practice a lot and all the time even to be able to embody what you're trying to teach them how to do, which is to be confident, to act confident, to make that eye contact, to sit straight, all that stuff, like Jerry said, requires practice. I, I, I noticed that our our ability to detect our body language and our nonverbal communication isn't very good. Like if, if we're not in, in tune with that, then a lot of times it's things we won't notice. And so just even that idea of now thinking about my body language and the thing that I'm doing can be new to a lot of people. And so uh, it's definitely something that, that takes practice. And it's a tool. So a lot of my clients worry about, and it's, it's a very common, popular, um, culturally specific thing for, you know, generationally right now is the concern over authenticity, being authentic and being real and, and not wanting to have to, um, you know, pretend to be something that you're not. But the challenge is when people take on that fear of, you know, well, is this really real? Is this really authentic? Well, when you go to work, you do different behaviors when you're at work. When, And that doesn't mean you're not being authentic. It means you're fitting your skills and your confidence is following your experience. So when I talk confidently at work and I, I'm good at what I do, I'm going to square my shoulders. I'm going to bring my chin up. I'm going to talk with a different resonance in my tone of voice because I'm familiar and I'm experienced with something. And so the fact that I'm doing those behaviors doesn't mean it's inauthentic. It means I've learned, I've adapted, I've created these skills and they've become my own. And so when we first start off with body language and different techniques, yes, it's going to be awkward in the beginning, but eventually we start to own it. We own it, we change it, we 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 make it our own. And it's just a matter of time and experience. So I really try to focus on you can be right or you can be effective. And the primary question I want people to ask is, 
And the primary question I want people to ask is, are they connecting with people? Is what they're doing really connecting? So it goes back to that idea of people who may feel like, well, I, you know, I don't want to do the double-handed handshake or I don't want to touch. Um, I'm not that kind of person. And my question is, well, when you're saying I'm not the kind of person who touches, I don't like to be touched, you're saying you are giving push-away behavior and you don't realize you're giving push-away behavior. And other people are picking up on it and they're not going to touch you because they can pick up on your body language. So my question for you is in that situation, what is your goal? Is your goal to connect or is your goal to stay safe? Is your goal to make other people feel great or is your goal to keep people at a distance? Are you like, what is your goal? It's not that you're wrong because you don't want to touch or be touched. And maybe where did that come from? You know, like what kind of traumatic experiences have you had? Um, that have fostered that. But to create a relationship starts with a certain amount of trust, a trust in myself that I can keep myself safe. I can look at body language and how people are interacting with me. And I can give the gift of connecting with people who I have enough reason that on at least this level, I feel like I can trust them. So I'm going to change my body language to fit the situation that fits with why I feel comfortable enough with this person that I'm going to open my body language up to them as a gift for them. The techniques I teach are a choice. They're a skill. They're a choice. I can choose to pull them out. I can choose to take them away. When I'm uncomfortable, I don't use these body language techniques. I pull my shoulders back. I square my shoulder. I square, I I, um, fold my arms. I, I don't maintain the same eye contact. My more no touch zone because I'm uncomfortable. Then when I am comfortable, I soften. I bring more touch. I lean in. I'm closer. I use more of talking with my hands. I change my vocal inflection. When I'm uncomfortable, I don't change my vocal inflection. I'm monotone. I am brief. I'm succinct. I'm doing push away behaviors. I'm showing exactly that I'm not interested. And when I am interested, what skills do I pull out? What warmth do I show? So I really want people to see that this is like taking a toolbox with you and you're pulling out the tools that you are intentionally giving as a gift of connection. And part of that is touch. And part of it is my tone. And part of it is my warmth and my compliments. And some of it is my body language. And some of it is I don't flirt when he looks good. I flirt when I look good. And um, as a man, some of that is, you know, do I really want to date the kind of girls I really want to date? And that means I do need to dress more fashionably. And I need to be more aware of my appearance because really, you know, the way I dress and the way I groom myself really does register for a woman about how you feel about yourself. And it makes me know and feel more interested and excited about you when you do that and vice versa for guys when a girl does that. So if people can recognize and get past this idea of authenticity and and feeling like they're faking it, well, sometimes we have to fake it till we make it. But most importantly, what's the goal? We want to make it. And so if we can focus on what's effective and Just try it out and be open-minded to it and focus on the connection that we're trying to make. Then it makes all of these sacrifices meaningful because when we think we're supposed to do it, we should do it. It's our girly responsibility to do it. This is what, you know, a guy expects, then we're going to resist it all. But when we think, oh, but you know what, what would I enjoy about that? And how would that make them feel? And how do I want people to feel when they're with me? And would I enjoy that connection and closeness? So there's just a lot of ways I try to turn this around so people can um, think about it in a way where they feel more like it's a gift they're giving and it's a gift they're receiving, which is really 
what all of this is about. You know, we we really want um, we we really want connection to be a gift, not an expectation. And that means we have to appreciate what the guy is doing. And we also have to be willing to take those risks too. And guess what? If he doesn't respond, he's not my, if he doesn't respond, he's not my only chance for happiness, but at least I'm making a good faith. I'm making a good faith effort. I'm putting it out there and someone else will respond because if he doesn't respond, someone else definitely will. I'm worth it. And they're looking for what I have to offer. They're looking for connection. There's a whole world out there who's looking for connection. If we focus on whatever other people are doing wrong, all we're going to do is create disconnection. When we focus on what's going right and we build more and more on what we're doing right and our individual successes, we're going to start to feel more and more successful. So for a lot of my clients, a big part of what I want them to focus on is what are the skills and techniques you're practicing and let's reward yourself. Like these things can be hard. So every time you touch someone, like how many points is that, you know, and maybe you're going to add those points up and you're going to have a meal that you really want, or you're going to go shopping, or you're going to save those points up for a vacation or flowers or something that you really want for yourself. So when you're making these efforts to connect, it's not about whether or not you're meeting that one person on a date that you're really excited about. It's more like no matter how the date went, when I came home, I can say, well, I practiced this and I got better at this. And I actually enjoyed this part of the date. And I feel like a success on my own terms. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was all just amazing. And I love that last part you were saying about being a success on your own terms and not truly not looking to other people for validation. You're making that effort and you're recognizing that you're making that effort and they can take it or leave it, but that doesn't affect who you know you are and the effort that you know you made to connect with them. Before we go, I just wanted to say too, I've got, I do want to wrap it up with how are you going to get those second and third dates? So embodied in what I've been sharing, you're not going to get those second and third dates if you're not doing the things I've already talked about. If you're not showing the confidence, the warmth, the femininity, the strength, if you're not um, being vulnerable, you're not risking, you're not going to get that second and third date. Remember when you're on a date, even if the person you're with isn't necessarily showing you the um, interest level that you were hoping for, even if they're not showing you the interest level you were hoping for, say to yourself, dang, I'm, I'm never going to see this guy again, or dang, I'm never going to see this girl again. And then say, I'm never going to see this person again. No matter what I do from here forward, doesn't matter right? Like, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to progress. I'm going to remember what I'm worth. What they think of me doesn't change the way I feel about myself. What can, what do I want to accomplish from this date? And then if you want to get the second or third date, there's a couple of essential pieces. One is you've got to actually be warm, engaging, touch every once in a while. Guys, I can't tell you if you're going four five, six dates, and you haven't even guided a woman through the door, you haven't touched her beyond a perfunctory, you know, you know, first date hug or that awkward hug at the beginning (laughs) of the date, you know what, she's not going to feel chemistry and excited about you. She's really going to question whether or not you're interested in her in that way. You guys are just being pals, simple, guiding her through the door, being playful, nudging her a little bit, or girls nudging him a little bit, being a little playful. 
my goodness, I mean, let's just make it fun. Dating is about having fun and making connections, which goes to my second piece of of advice. So the first piece of advice to get that second date is to make sure you're doing these warm, confident, feminine things and including touch and just simple touch, um, especially by that third date, if you get that far. But if you're not even getting to the third date, why not try practicing touch on a first date? You're never going to see the person again anyway. What do you have to lose? Practice. Give yeah. yourself points and rewards afterwards. But then the next thing, the second thing you've got to do is get the pressure off. And the simplest way you get the pressure off is to say something in a text or in face-to-face contact or when they ask for your number or whatever it is, where you basically just say, hey, just so you know, my approach to dating is to have fun and get to know people. I love that about dating. I have really reasonable expectations. This is a no pressure thing. If something comes out of it, great. But I'm just looking forward to having fun and getting to know you. Now, you can say it in a variety of different ways. We can make it shorter. We can make it longer. It could be something as short as just texting and saying, hey, just so you know, I'm a have fun, no pressure, treat people with respect kind of guy. I'm excited to see you on Saturday. Right. So taking that pressure off and letting her know that you're not reading into every little thing she does and says as if you're interested or not interested, or she's, you know, is she more into me than I'm into her? And am I wasting my time? And is she wasting her time? No, the point of dating isn't to sit across and from another cup of cocoa at or ice cream or frozen yogurt for 40 minutes and have that boring you know, everyday conversation about how many brothers and sisters do do you have? (laughs) What do you do? What school did you go to? The point of dating isn't to do those boring activities that make me question whether or not I'm really interested in the person when I'm done. The point of dating is to be doing things I want to be doing, which means if it's, I've got a bucket list of fun things I want to do, like pickleball and going to like a spring festival or going to, you know, the tulip festival or going to the zoo or going ax throwing or going to that place where they've got really great cocoa that I really wanted to try. I've got a bucket list of fun things I'm doing. I'd love you to join me. I, you know, my approach to dating is to have fun and do fun things and get to know people. And, you know, I just think dating's fun, reasonable expectations, no pressure. Let's have fun. Right. So if I have that kind of attitude at the end of the first date, the person isn't thinking, oh, am I really into this person? Am I leading them on? Maybe they're more into me than I'm into them. I don't know. They said something that I'm not really sure I'm attracted to. Instead, at the end of the date, they're like, well, I had fun. I could keep having fun. It's no pressure. And then they're going to take the second date and they're going to take the third date. And you're the kind of person who's doing fun things and going places anyway. So why would I want to miss out on that? There's no pressure, you know, up to four dates, six dates. That's all we have to do. Do up to four to six dates. You're not going to go on more than six dates with someone unless they are your A-lister and you're super excited about them. But sometimes people who are on your B-list, which mean they're good quality people, but you're not as excited about them like you are A-listers. Sometimes B-listers totally become your A-listers by the sixth date, but you're not going to keep going out past six dates with somebody that you're not having fun with for sure, because you're not even going to get that far if you're not having fun, but you're not wasting anybody's time. You're having fun and you're doing things you want to do anyway. That's how you get more dates is you focus on having fun. You keep the pressure off and you make each other feel great. So hopefully that gives the combination that gets people the date to begin with and gets them more dates. I really love that, the six date rule. 
Um, I think we've talked about this before in a previous episode, but I was dating someone else when I was dating Jerry, and I actually really liked the other guy I was dating. And then I, I wasn't too sure about Jerry on the first date. And my mission president always told me, you go on three dates with a guy, unless they give you reason not to, of course, you know, mm-hmm. unless they make you super uncomfortable. But if you're just not so sure about him, just give him three dates, give him a chance. And so I did with Jerry. And by the third date, I was like, okay, yeah, I really like this guy. But some people mm-hmm. take longer to open up or sometimes it takes a little bit longer for you guys to warm up to each other or to feel that connection. And if you're so quick to write someone off on the first date, then you're truly not giving that person a chance because first dates are a little awkward and you're unsure and you're testing the waters and and you don't really get to know someone off of like you said like 45 minutes over a cup of hot cocoa (laughs) so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and that's just high pressure it's a lot more fun to get to know someone side by side than where the whole focus is on conversation Mm -hmm. and the food so let's just do the things you want to do have fun create a list of the things you want to do and just start getting to know each other in that kind of a side-by-side lower pressure activity. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, if you think about it, not even most jobs hire someone off of one, you know, 45 minute interview. Usually they have at least three interviews lots of times Mm -hmm. to get a job position because they understand that you have to see people in different lights and different facets and, you know, have to talk to you about and expand about more things on your resume. So it's the same thing with dating. You have to truly give each other a chance for that connection. And I think that's, that's really important. So thank you so much for sharing that. I would encourage people to check out the other 10 reasons you're not dating the people you want. I understand that you guys will have a link so that they can just click on that link. Mm-hmm. You will need to put your email in and that's good too, because then I, I can give you additional information and keep you up to date on other changes. But once you put your email in, then you will be able to access all of the 10 reasons. And there's just some really fabulous things that you will learn. Um, the, the neat thing about this is there's nothing that you guys are experiencing that in my 30 years of experience, I haven't seen. So this is really tailored to today's singles. And I'd love for you to check that out. It's at thelastingloveacademy.com. And um, I'm very passionate about what I do. So I'd love to see people get results. And obviously very good at what you do, because I was reading some of the reviews on your website and you have a lot of really really awesome reviews on there from from singles that are now not single I know (laughs) it's 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 really sweet yeah and it's I really appreciate that people take the time to fill out those reviews it's it it helps in more ways than one like you know when people express their gratitude and that they enjoy what I'm doing it keeps me going you know um because any job is hard but when you know it's appreciated and it makes a difference it's just that's the payday you know so mm-hmm. i really feel grateful that people um you know appreciate what i offer and it's been one of the best parts of my job so for any of our viewers who have listened to this podcast really enjoy your advice and want to hear more how else can they reach out to you the best way to get a hold of me is to go to my website. Um, so I, uh, you know, because of the demands on my schedule, I just do um, appointments by um, schedule. So they can go to my website, lastingloveacademy.com. The neat thing about my materials is all of those books and audios and videos are immediately available when people engage in the Lasting Love Academy. And my programs are as inexpensive as $27 a month. So there's really a lot of ways for you to have control over your own experience as soon as you get access. We have Q&A sessions and things that are incorporated for members. So um, there's just a lot of ways that people can get access to me. And a 
in a very cost-effective way through the membership itself. And then I also have appointments and, and do um, direct strategy sessions with clients. So, so lastingloveacademy.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We've really enjoyed everything that we've had a chance to chat about today. And it's been a real treat. Yeah, we're so oh, grateful good. you took the time to come on and share with our listeners all of this. I think if you're listening, you should have been taking notes. And I'm sure you learned so much because I'm not even technically dating anymore as a single, but I learned a lot. And yeah, that was an amazing opportunity that we had to speak with you today. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You know, it matters at first contact if I make you feel great. It matters five months into the relationship if I make you feel great. It matters five years into marriage and it matters 50 years into marriage. These skills for being able to connect meaningfully with people are lifelong love-changing, life-changing skills. And you can do it. Lasting love is within all of your reach and you're meant to succeed and you're meant to feel empowered and knowledgeable. And it is uncomfortable at first. And then it's just fun. So thank you for having me. And um, I'm excited to reach uh, your audience with this message. And I hope that they'll, they'll come and learn more. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.